This morning we are on week six of our eight-week series, Red Letter Days, where we're looking specifically at the words of Jesus in the Bible. You know, in our Bibles, the, the words of Jesus are actually written in, in red, and that's why we've called this series Red Letter Days, because we want to really zoom in and focus in on the words of Jesus. And I love red letter words. I love the words of Jesus. You know, when Jesus came to the earth, he came to reveal to us the Father. And when we read the words of Jesus, we see a picture of just how beautiful, just how loving, just how amazing our Father in heaven is. I love red letter words. And you know, I believe that as God speaks to us this morning, that I believe that God wants to bring a word of refreshing to us. You know, the word of God, the Bible is described in many different ways. One of the ways that the Bible is described is like water. You know, water refreshes us, water revives us, water hydrates us. And I believe that God wants to revive us as a church. He wants to bring refreshing this morning. Because, you know, we've, we've come a long way as a church, haven't we? And particularly in these last two years, as we've moved into the building, it's been such an incredible time of growth and expansion. But, you know, as Steve shared last week, the, the vision for the next seven years as we move towards 2025, there is still so much more for us to do. You know, if you didn't get time to listen to Steve's message from last week, I really want to encourage you to download it. You can listen to it on audio, you can watch it on video, but I really encourage you to listen to it. You know, Steve, he shared nine strategies that we're going to be pressing into as we move towards 2025. From church planting to theological training to finishing the building, nine different strategies, but one goal reaching and shaping a generation with the message and cause of Christ. In other words, the Great Commission. You know, Jesus, before he left this earth, his last words to his disciples were, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And always remember, I am always with you, even to the very end of the age. You see, Jesus has entrusted us with continuing the work that he began until he returns. You know, Jesus right now has risen. He is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. But one day, he is coming back for his bride, the church a.k.a. you and me. Jesus is coming back one day, and until then, he has given us the responsibility of continuing his work on this earth and seeing his kingdom established here in Cambridge, in the UK, and to the ends of the earth. What an amazing privilege we have to join God in this work that he calls us in partnership to partner with him in reaching this world for him. It's an amazing privilege, but at the same time, it can sometimes feel a little overwhelming. 
You know, in the busyness of life, with everything we have going on in our worlds, how do we keep the purposes of God and his kingdom central? And so today, as we consider these red letter words of Jesus, I want us to look at what may be for some of you a very familiar passage. It's a passage that recounts the story of when Jesus first called one of his disciples, Simon, who's later known as Peter. And I want us to look at this passage because I really believe it has something to teach us about the nature of God and the way that he wants to partner with us on this earth to see his kingdom established. And I want us to look specifically at the red letter words, at the, re at the words of Jesus as he engages with the disciple Simon. So if you turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, if you don't have your Bible, the passage is on the front of the teaching notes, so you can follow with us as we go through. Luke chapter 5, starting from verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, it was also called the Sea of Galilee. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the boat belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. The first point that I want to make today is we consider the work that God has called us to. And if you're following in your notes, this is your first blank. Is that the work that God, God calls us to has impossible odds. In fact, I would go so far to say that impossible odds are God's favorite scenario. We see this theme running all the way through the Bible, and in fact, we could say as the C3 church, we too have seen the way that God works is through impossible odds. We've seen that in our own lives, we've seen that as a church. And here again, in this passage, we see these impossible odds playing out. You see, I think the word impossible is a word that Simon would have used when he recounted this story to his friends and family. Because you see, Peter was a professional fisherman. 
This wasn't just something he did as a hobby or something he did just to pass the time. This was his livelihood. And yet here he was. He had worked hard all night and not caught a single fish. The stakes were high for Simon. No fish, no income, no food for his family. And you can hear the resignation in his voice as he turns to Jesus and he says, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. I mean, Jesus, I need to tell you that I'm not exaggerating here when I tell you that we have not caught a single fish. We'd have done everything we, need to, we know to do. We've pulled out all the stops. And yet, in spite of all that, we came home with absolutely nothing. You know, as a fisherman, Simon would have known that if you don't catch any fish at night, it's even more unlikely that you'll catch fish in the day. This felt impossible to Simon. And I wonder as Jesus turns to him so casually and says, put out into the deep and let down the nets for a catch. Whether Simon has to just steal himself for a moment and stop himself from saying, seriously? Like, seriously, Jesus? I mean, I, mean, I totally respect you and everything, but aren't you a carpenter? Aren't you a rabbi? Aren't you a teacher? I mean, do you really know anything about fishing? You see, it's so easy for us, isn't it, to sit here and to, and to think, oh, it was so easy for Simon to just put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. It's easy for us because we know what happens next. We can see the amazing miracle that Jesus performs. But what a step of obedience for Simon, that in spite of his weariness, in spite of his frustration, in spite of his disappointment, his discouragement, that he turns to Jesus and he says, Master, because you say so, I will. Because you say so, Jesus, I will. I will let down the nets. You see, the work that God calls us to has impossible odds but what we need to realize is this that in those impossible odds God is looking for us to listen for his word to listen for his voice and to say I will to say yes Jesus because impossible odds and our yes leads to incredible outcomes and you see that in this passage as soon as Peter says yes because you say so I will the power of God is released in that place. And the nets begin to fill with fish. And not just one fish, but the nets begin to fill with fish so much that the nets they have begin to break. They call over their partners with the other boat. They bring that boat along. And they fill both of those boats so full that the boats begin to sink. You see, the work God calls us to has impossible odds, but incredible outcomes. And you know, what was this about, really? 
What was Jesus trying to say? You know, was it just about meeting Simon's need? I believe that was part of it, yes. You know, God promises to meet all of our needs. One of the things that Jesus taught us when he was on this earth was, listen, don't worry about your needs. Don't worry about what you need to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Because the pagans, people that don't know Jesus, they're the ones that are spending time worrying about those things because they don't yet know. They have a Father in heaven who knows what they need even before they ask. And this, this passage is such an example of this. Here's Simon sat at the side of the shore listening to Jesus' teaching, and yet Jesus can see. This man has no food. He's caught nothing. He's got no food for his family, and I need to step in, and I need to meet that need. You know, God is our provider. And as we trust in him, he will take care of our needs. But, you know, Jesus provided for Peter, but he was, but he was trying to call him to a higher purpose. He was trying to lift up his eyes and show him, hey, Peter, I want you to realize there, that there is a net-breaking, boat-sinking number of people in this world, Simon. And I'm asking you, Simon, will you join me? Will you join me in this mission? Will you join me in not fishing for, for fish, but will you join me in fishing for people? It will feel impossible. It will feel overwhelming. But I will show you where to fish. I will show you how to fish. And I will bring each and every one of those fish into those nets. You see, God doesn't just throw us into the deep end and leave us to sink or swim. The work, when God calls us to something, he always resources us for the task. And you know, God has given us his spirit. He has given us his power. You know, this, the spirit of Christ lives within us. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in us. Maybe you're here today and you feel a bit like Simon. You worked hard all night and you haven't caught anything. You've done everything you need to know to do. You've done your best. You've worked hard and yet still the situation hasn't changed. I want you to hear those red letter words of Jesus this morning. Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Allow God into your impossible. Listen for his voice. Listen for his direction. Listen for his leading. Because what is impossible with man is possible for God. God loves impossible odds because it's then that we totally rely on him. And as Katie shared earlier, in our weakness, his power is made perfect. The work God calls us to is a partnership. He never meant us to do it on our own. We do the natural and he does the super. We do the ordinary and he does the extra. Impossible odds, incredible outcomes. The second point I want to make is this, and this is the second point in your notes if you're following, is that the work that God calls us to always involves imperfect people. Peter, as he witnesses this miracle and he just sees more and more fish just pouring onto the boat, his response is to fall on his knees 
and to say to Jesus, get away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. You see, Simon had an encounter with Jesus. He, he had a revelation of something of the majesty and the wonder and the awesomeness and the greatness of our God. And when that happens, we, we fall to our knees and we realize you are in heaven and we are on earth. You are God and we are man. We, we come face to face with our smallness, with our sinfulness, with our own sense of inadequacy. And you know, in those moments, we can feel condemned. But you know, when you read those red letter words of Jesus, Jesus does not condemn Simon. Instead, he affirms him. He reassures him. He says, Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. You see, there is no condemnation. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world. He came into the world to save the world. There is no condemnation. There is only an invitation to come. In fact, the message of the gospel is this, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, however old or young you are, come to Jesus. Come to him. You know, Jesus was the one who had gone looking for Peter. He had started off this process. He had initiated the relationship. In fact, Simon was one of the, the fish that Jesus wanted to catch. God always initiates the relationship. He comes looking for us, and then he invites us to come to him. Psalm 18 says this, He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. You see, Jesus begins always by drawing us out of deep waters. And then he invites us to join him in drawing others out of those deep waters. In spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our failures, we, the church, are his plan A. He does not have a plan B. We are it. And you know, it's so important that we understand this principle that the work that God invites us to always involves imperfect people because you know what? We need to know who we are. We need to be secure in our identity as God's beloved. Because you know what? When you know who you are, you walk differently. You talk differently. When you know your identity as God's beloved, it affects the way you live your life. It affects the decisions you make. It affects the way you spend your finance. It affects the way you see the future. It changes everything. And I really believe that God wants us to really get this this morning because you see, we need to get up every morning as God's chosen, called people and know that we have the full backing of heaven. We cannot fail at this thing because it doesn't rely on our perfection. It relies on the power of God. And God is just looking for our yes. If we will just say yes, he will use us in such an incredible way. 
We need to know that we have the full backing of heaven every single day of our lives. We have his power, we have his strength, we have his anointing. We don't have to earn it, we don't have to strive for it, we don't have to work it up, we just have to receive it each and every day. We are the beloved, chosen, children of God. And we are his plan A, in Jesus' name. And you know, Simon knew this. And he started out great on this journey. You know, we see at the end of this passage, he leaves everything to follow Jesus. He spent three years understanding what it meant to be a follower of Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus. And he really loved Jesus so much. But then the night before Jesus died, Jesus turns to all the disciples and he says, you know what, tonight you're, you're, gonna, you're all going to abandon me. And he turns to Peter specifically and he says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter, Simon Peter, is horrified. He says, Jesus, no, listen, Jesus, you've got this all wrong. I'm telling you, Jesus, don't you know how much I love you? I'm never going to let you down. I'm willing to die for you, Jesus. This is it's never going to happen. And Jesus says, it is, Simon, it is going to happen. And this is a sign that the rooster is going to th- crow three times. And that will be a sign to you. And if you know the story, you'll know that actually that does happen. That Simon Peter does deny Jesus. And in fact, he doesn't just deny him. He adamantly swears that he never knew Jesus. And sure enough, the rooster crows and Peter's reminded of Jesus' words and the Bible says that he went out and he wept bitterly. You know, Peter was devastated at his failing. He was devastated that he'd let Jesus down in the moment when he needed him the most. He was absolutely distraught. But you know, Jesus wasn't devastated because Jesus knew it would happen. He tried to warn Simon. He tried to say, listen, I just want you to know you're not going to find this easy. You're not going to find it easy. You know, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. But at the time, Simon, he just didn't want to know. He just didn't want to hear it. But Jesus knew it because he knows who we are. Before he calls us, he knew us even before we were born, and he chose us. He chose us. And you know, there's, as, just as Jesus affirms Simon in that boat, when, when Simon says to him, get away from me, Lord. After this experience of denying Jesus, Jesus comes back and he again affirms Simon Peter, and he reassures him in in what is one of the most beautiful scenes in the Bible, and it's almost like a a reconstruction, if you like, of the scene that we've read in, in Luke 5. It's in John 21, and the disciples are out fishing again. Jesus Um, has risen from the dead, the the disciples are are out fishing and Jesus turns up on the beach. They don't actually know that it's Jesus, but they've been out all night again fishing and guess what? They haven't caught anything again. And, And 
Jesus calls to them from the, from the shore and he says, friends, have you any fish? And they call back and they say, no, we, we haven't caught anything. And so Jesus calls back and he says, just put the net on the other side of the boat. And they do so. And yet again, the power of God is released. And hundreds of fish pour into that boat. Over 100 fish pour into that boat. And suddenly the disciple John realizes, it's Jesus. It's Jesus on the shore. And he says, Peter, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And Peter gets out of the boat and he runs towards Jesus. And Jesus is on the beach and he's cooking breakfast for the disciples. You know, in those days, when you invited someone to share a meal with you, it had such a a greater significance than it does for us today because to invite someone to have a meal with you, we're saying to them, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to know you. And here Jesus again is, is inviting Simon Peter to come. He's reassuring him, you haven't blown it. You haven't blown it, Peter. It's not too late. My love is still extended to you. And after breakfast, they they take a walk on the beach and, and Jesus turns to Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, well, feed my lambs. And they walk a bit further and Jesus turns to Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, well, take care of my sheep. And they walk a little bit further and Jesus turns to Peter again. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. You see, yet again, here is Jesus extending his hand, extending that invitation to Simon Peter and saying, I have not given up on you. You may feel disqualified. You may feel um, out of things. But I want you to know you are counted in to this plan. And, you know, I, as Steve shared the, the vision last week, I, I really felt the, the sense that there are some of you here and, you know, you're really wanting to get involved. But maybe you feel disqualified in some way. Maybe there's something in your past you feel, you know what, I just feel like I'm excluded. I mean, I, you know, I know God loves me, but he would never invite me to join him in his work. Or maybe you're here and you just, you know, you've just lost your passion for Jesus. You feel that sense of, of inadequacy. You feel, you know what, I've let God down. Like, why would he want to use me now? But I want to remind you of those red letter words of Jesus. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because that same invitation is extended to you today to come and as soon as we come God invites us to join him in his work you see there is a net breaking boat sinking amount of people in Cambridge that do not yet know that there is the most wonderful father in heaven who loves them so much 
he wants you to know you don't have to be perfect to join him in reaching those people. In fact, the work that God calls us to involves impossible odds and imperfect people. There is nothing that you can do to make God love you more. And there is nothing that you can do to make God love you less. God will always initiate the relationship. He will always pursue you. And our role is simply to respond to his love. To respond to his invitation to join him in this work. Can we just stand in the presence of God? Can I invite the band to come up? Jesus is here. And I believe he has a question for you. He says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you really love me? Because if you love me, I want to invite you afresh to join me in this work of reaching the world and telling them about the amazing love of my father and so in this place I'm just going to invite you if that's you and you say yes Jesus I love you and I want to be counted in to this I just want to invite you to, to lift up your hands and I want to pray for you you know I said at the beginning that I felt that God wanted to bring the word like water today it's a word of refreshing it's a word of renewal it's a word of cleansing and I believe that this is a really significant time for us as we look to the next seven years and we look to what's next for us on the journey. You know, we have seen impossible odds and incredible outcomes. And God has used us in incredible ways as his imperfect people. But there is so much more for us to do. And you know, you know what? I believe we ain't seen nothing yet. We ain't seen nothing yet. You know, God takes us from strength to strength, from glory to glory. Greater works will you do. And you know, I, want us, I believe that God is wanting us to raise our level of faith this morning and say, yes, Lord, we do love you. And yes, Lord, we are up for it. We are up for the challenge. We are up for the journey. We are all in. And you know what? As we extend our yes, the power of God is released. And I'm believing that as I'm going to pray right now, and as I pray, the power of God is going to be released over you. A fresh anointing. So, Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus, Father, I just release your anointing over your church, over your people. Father, fresh strength, fresh vision, fresh creativity, Father God, fresh power, fresh anointing from heaven. 
Lord, may we be those that run and not grow weary, those that walk and not grow faint, Father God. May we see your kingdom come in this nation, in this city, in the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray, Father God, that we would see those incredible outcomes. Father God, that you would just absolutely astound us, Lord, with the work of your hands. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.